Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those are the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And I first memorized those in college and have quoted them to myself hundreds of times since. And I'm not alone. Jesus is the most quoted figure in history. And these are among the most comforting of words that he ever spoke, which is why so many like me have been drawn to these words over the years. Many feeling tired and worn out and exhausted and burdened by the cares of life have heard this invitation that Jesus offers to come and in coming have found rest for their souls, discovering that the way of Jesus is the way of life that they were meant to live. The brutal fact is that life can be difficult, very difficult. Many of us are carrying heavy burdens, burdens that threaten to crush, burdens of anxiety and fear, of temptation and failure, of loneliness and despair, of guilt and shame, and of overwhelming responsibility, or even the feeling that life just seems to lack meaning and purpose. There might be a fifth grader who's bullied at school, or a teenage girl who's constantly comparing herself to photoshopped images of celebrities or a high school junior struggling to keep up at school, or a college senior anxious about finding a job. It could be a chronic illness, or a difficult marriage, or a wayward child, or financial stress, or loneliness, or regret, or any of another dozen burdens that we may have to bear. In Jesus' day, things were no no different. In fact, you could argue that they were worse. Life then was bleak. Only the wealthy, maybe 5 to 10% of the population, consistently had enough to eat. Farmers had to work in the hot sun with only their hands, a few crude, crude tools, and maybe an animal or two to help with the work. Illnesses that today could be cured with a trip to the doctor and a $20 copay today, then could kill you or leave you disabled. Life expectancy was short. There were many people who were blind or deaf or crippled and only could live by begging. And those were just the physical challenges that challenged life. In their day, the religious leaders had a Navy SEAL mindset. They believed in setting a high standard and piling on more rules and regulations. It's little wonder that what Jesus said was so quickly memorized, remembered, and written down because his words gave such comfort and peace and hope for a different sort of life. Come to me, Jesus said. He didn't tell them to unload their burdens by adding on another list of things they could do to sort of compensate in a sort of karma. He simply said, come, and it was a personal invitation. Christian faith is unique. Yes, it has rules and regulations, but that's not the core of what Christian faith is all about. It's about a relationship. Jesus invites us to come to him, to give up our self-sufficiency, our self-centeredness and our pride our insistence on living life apart from Him, and come into a life of meaning and purpose and strength and hope that we can find nowhere else. That's why Jesus issues an invitation to all. That means everyone. The invitation that Jesus offers isn't just for a few, but for all. An invitation to come to Him with, with Him as our Lord and Savior and friend. And what do we have to do? Simply receive it. Salvation is a gift, utterly free and undeserved. Some people come and try to make it complicated, but it's not. Just come to Jesus, especially if you're tired and worn out, or as Jesus puts it, 
to those who are weary and burdened. The world Jesus entered was both similar and different from ours. And one of the differences is that in Jesus' day, the word religion had a good name. Over time, though, something unfortunate had happened. And that is that they practiced a sort of spiritual one-upmanship in an attempt to raise the standards so high that eventually only a few could achieve what they laid out. The religious leaders piled on rules and rituals, and eventually the average person felt so burdened and powerless to fulfill what they saw as the standard they needed to live up to. It was a legalism that left people exhausted. and Many were tempted to give up. And then Jesus came and said, I will give you rest. Imagine what they heard, what they felt when Jesus offered them this sort of life. Rest for those trying to live up to this impossible standard. Rest for those weary of whatever pressure may have threatened their lives, whether it was economic or employment or burdened by family conflict or weighed down by poor health or guilt or regret. To the tired and the worn out and exhausted, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. The rest Jesus offers is much better than sleeping in on a Saturday morning. It's rest for our souls, rest that comes from God, that wants rest that satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts. And the rest he offers doesn't exempt us from difficulty, but carries us through it. It doesn't mean a life of leisure. That's why Jesus also said, take my yoke upon you. Let me explain the metaphor that Jesus is using. There was a horizontal beam that they would place on the neck of a pair of oxen to put them in, uh, to, to, to harness them to a wagon or a plow. It had a bent piece of wood that would then hold it in place. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's telling us to join in the work that he has for us. Jesus offers rest, but it's not a call to a life of idleness. Instead, he's asking us that we give ourselves to him and let him direct our lives. Learn to live for him rather than for ourselves. The idea of a yoke was not a metaphor that only Jesus used. The religious leaders in his day used the metaphor as well to describe or as a symbol for the Old Testament law. The idea was that the law, the moral code and religious rituals that had been given to the people of Israel, they said would lead them into the way of life that God had for the people. And they were right, except that they made it a burden rather than a joy. Because it was intended to be a source of joy, not a burden. Increasingly, the religious leaders would add on more and more details and regulations. And that was not God's intention. And that's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This yoke was simple in design. It made it possible for a pair of oxen to work together with ease. Each yoke would be tailor-made, fit exactly to each oxen, so it wouldn't chafe or rub. So when Jesus says that my yoke is easy, in part what he's saying is it fits. The life Jesus gives us is not a burden but it fits us. It cuts the load in half. The metaphor here is used to describe the way that we have one side of it, but Jesus has the other. So when we're engaged in the work that God's given us to do, it's not burdensome. We find that we're carried along in the midst of whatever it is he's given us to do. So even the heaviest of burdens are light by comparison. That's not that Jesus is saying our problems will all immediately go away. In fact, he knows our anxieties, our fears, our temptations, our responsibilities. 
He knows that life can be difficult, and yet He promises to walk alongside us through whatever it is that we are facing. How can we learn to live all of this out? How can we experience the life that Jesus has for us? Well, Jesus offers us to come, burdens and all, and He says, I will give you rest. So how does this work? How is it that we can live this life that's easy and light and and restful? Well, first of all, Jesus invites us into a life that we were meant to live. C.S. Lewis once pointed out that for many of us, our biggest concern in coming to Jesus is that we'll be asked to give up too much. We might have to give up ourselves, he even says. So he uses the example of, he says, we approach it sometimes a little bit like an honest person paying taxes. We'll pay them, but we're hoping that the government leaves us with enough left over that we can actually live. In truth, Jesus does challenge us to live up to high standards. And in one sense, he lives, asks us to live up to a very high standard. So life with Jesus is both hard but also easy at the same time. Hard because Jesus says, not just give me part of who you are, but all of who you are. Not just some of your time and money, but all of it. And he doesn't, doesn't lower the standards. In fact, in some ways, Jesus raises the standards. Matthew, the biography we're getting this quote from Jesus about, um, has another section. It's a very famous section of the book from Matthew chapter 5 to 7, where he, we have the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount are just a whole variety of teachings that Jesus gave to a crowd one day in a long extended speech. And one of the things he did subtly is he took the Ten Commandments and he raised the bar. So they thought it was wrong to kill someone. He said, yeah, if you're angry, you're killing someone. Or he says, if you lust, you're actually going through the act of committing adultery. His point was that how we think is as important as what we do. Elsewhere, he says that we are to be prepared to leave family and possessions and even be willing to give up our lives for him. So his rest, his way of life, is not a life of ease and self-gratification. At the same time, the life that Jesus offers us frees us from the crushing weight of the burdens he promises to bear with us. So he gives us the way of life that we're designed to live, which is both harder and easier at the same time. Now, often we think we know best. That's why we can get confused and believe that the standards that God lays out for us are burdensome. Sometimes we think that the choice we have is between being good or being happy. But that's not true. While Jesus does have standards for our lives, what he's given us is wise. That's because what he gives us is best for us. That's why Jesus says that his way of life is easy and his burden is light. So once we get over the idea that Jesus is trying to take all the fun out of life, we will learn to obey him out of duty, not out of gra- or out of duty, not out of gratitude. Excuse me, not out of duty, but out of gratitude. Then we will obey, and the one who offers us rest for our souls. A second way of life that we can live this out is to find that in Jesus is a life of real meaning and purpose. Now, many today reject the idea of God. And that may be where some of you are coming from today. You may not know or be agnostic or really unsure if God exists. So many today believe that the natural world is all that there is, that there is no spiritual reality, that it's only what we can see and taste and touch and feel that's real. Now, to be upfront, I believe there's some very good reasons for believing that God exists. But it's also important to point out that if the natural world is all that there is, then life really doesn't have a meaning and purpose. 
that all we are is the product of blind chance. But the Bible has a very different vision for our lives. It says that we're much more than just a sophisticated biological machine, that God has created us in His image, that He loves us and communicates with us, that He's given us life and in that life has given us great dignity as human beings, all of us. The challenge of philosophical naturalism is that it believes that life ultimately is empty and purposeless, that it has no meaning. And I realize some are attracted to this because this way of life really absolves us of any responsibility. We can simply do what we want. There seems to be freedom. But at what cost? Without shared moral values, there are no restraints. It's impossible to determine what's fair and what's not. If this way of life is true, then there can be no justice for those who've suffered at the hands of others. It means, as Thomas Hobbes once said, that life is ultimately nasty, brutish, and short. There's nothing we can do about it. Now, to me, that's not a particularly reassuring way of life. So when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, take upon me, take upon you the way of life that I have given to you and you will find rest for your souls. True freedom is to be our true selves. In order to be our true selves, we need to surrender to God and die to our self-centeredness. We need to lose ourselves in order to find our true selves. Real freedom is not doing what we want to do in the moment, but doing what we were designed to do for a lifetime, to find meaning and purpose in living the life that God created us to live. Another way we experience this way of life is to find that Jesus frees us from the burden of guilt and regret. The persistence of guilt has actually surprised many today. Friedrich Nietzsche, a philosopher, predicted long ago that if we got rid of the idea of God, we would completely get rid of the idea of guilt. But that hasn't happened. In fact, it's been the opposite. And we feel this as a society. Living in a world with climate change and world hunger and ethnic war and racism and economic inequality, we feel the weight of that, the collective responsibility, knowing that we could do more to reduce our carbon footprint, to feed the hungry, to home the houses and employ those who are without work. But our problem isn't just societal, it's personal as well. At the core, we know that we have the propensity to mess things up. We can all think of ways that we've blown it, sometimes really blown it. Even children understand this. And then as we get older, our capacity for coloring outside the lines only grows, and the impact of what we do is larger. The problem is, is that try as we may, we can never get it quite right. Unless you're a sociopath and don't have a conscience, there is nothing so crushing than the weight of regret and shame. Often it's impossible for us to go back and undo what we've done. So when Jesus offers us to come and to lighten the load, to, uh, it's like offering pizza to a starving man. Jesus simply offers us to come, invites us to come. And what do we have to do? Again, receive the invitation that he offers because forgiveness is a gift, absolutely free, even if it's utterly undeserved. The biographies of Jesus are full of examples like this. Think of Peter, who at the end denied Christ, and yet Jesus invites him back in and even gives him an important responsibility. Or there's Zacchaeus who grew wealthy, defrauding hundreds if not thousands of people out of money, and Jesus invites him, in fact, goes to his home and has dinner, 
and restores him into the people of Israel. Or the story of the prodigal son, which many of us can identify with, at least at one point or another in our lives, who turned his back on his family, and when he came home expecting to be rebuked, found that his father was standing there with his arms open wide. In Jesus, our burdens are lifted, and we experience peace and joy and hope where once we had only despair. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What we need to know most is that the love of God offered to us, offered to us no matter what we've done. God isn't indifferent to sin. He doesn't trivialize it. He doesn't ignore the seriousness of what we've done. Instead, his love sees sin for what it is, even in all its ugliness, and yet he frees us from the penalty of our sins through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The last thing I want to mention today is that Jesus lifts the burdens of life. If you're weighed down by something in your life, by anxiety or fear or responsibility, by confusion or indecision, Jesus invites you to come with whatever is troubling you and trust him with whatever is too heavy for you to bear. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Life can be hard, but Jesus is a kind teacher. He's gentle and humble and offers us rest for our souls. And even the yoke that he offers us, the things that he asks us to do, are easy and the burdens are light by comparison with the alternative. So when you choose to follow Jesus, you have the peace of knowing that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And no matter how difficult life may be, Jesus is always with you because the core of of faith is a relationship with him. To become more like Jesus means putting on the yoke that he offers us and learning to live from the way that he gives us. So why would we do this? Because the way of life that he offers us is the way of life that we were designed to live. And who wouldn't want abiding peace? The kind of faith that sees everything, even our failures and our losses, in the light of God's amazing grace. The kind of hope that endures even in difficult and challenging circumstances. To be freed from sin and given the power to do what's right. To be liberated from loneliness and anxiety and fear. To flourish and to become the kind of person that Jesus invites us to be. In short, the abundant life that he came to give. To follow Jesus is to to understand that he, he alone satisfies our deepest longings, transforms our most persistent failings, and heals our deepest pain. What more could we ask? We must learn that Jesus can be trusted, that he's the smartest, most wisest person we've ever met. Sure, trusting Jesus requires surrendering to the yoke that Jesus asks us to put on. And yet his way is best. It leads not to an easy life, but one that is free of the burdens that so often plague us. So he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the time we have remaining, I'd like to invite us into a time of quiet reflection. So if you would, please bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to lead you through some reflections about how we can enter into the kind of rest that Jesus offers to us. Would you now picture Jesus before you, holding out his nail-pierced hands to welcome you and tell him, Jesus, I come, I come.
Give Him your burdens, your fears, your disappointments, and your regrets. Take upon you His yoke of obedience, knowing that He is beside you in it, sharing your burdens along the way. Find those burdens now easy and light as He walks alongside you. And learn from him, knowing that he is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Father, with gratitude, we thank you for these words of Jesus, some of the most familiar and famous and comforting of all. Help us to know that you walk alongside us no matter what it is we're facing. That when we're wearied and burdened, we can come to you and you will give us rest. That we can learn from you and that we will find rest for our souls. We pray this knowing that while there is a yoke, that it is easy and our burden is light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.